This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Monday here, and we're going to have... It's mostly going to be me, actually. I tried to get John on to talk about the TakeOver 31 show. John was not available. He had some family stuff to do tonight, so he wasn't even able to watch the show uh, I'm, I'm not actually sure if he's he's finished watching the show, but uh, so we tried to do that. It was it was not going to happen tonight. So I'll have the takeover recap for those who have not yet watched. Um, before I get to that, though, so the G1. By the time you listen to this, I believe Monday's show will probably be done. Um, they have Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday, so four shows in a row for the G1. If you are following very closely, it's going to be a rough week for us. I don't know what else to say. I I mean, I struggled last week. Like, I still... Unfortunately, I know the results to the, uh, uh, the Night 8 main event, which was Naito and Sonata, <clears throat> but I still have that match left to watch. And uh, and I'll be caught up, but basically by the by the time Monday happens, I'll be behind again because I'm gonna need to figure out how to watch four shows on uh, in four days and still watch AEW and still watch NXT and prepare for our Thursday uh, Thursday slash Friday show and all of those things. So we'll we'll see what happens, but you know wrestling really doesn't get better than uh, than this time of the year with the G1. This year, it's obviously it's in the fall and it's usually in the summer, so I think that's throwing some folks like myself off. But still, you know, the G one anytime is is just such top notch wrestling. So, Justin Nipper and Carlos Toro will be back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Monday through Wednesday are actually going to be solo G one cast shows. You won't hear me except for I'll I'll put the ads in. But it's going to be Justin and Carlos. So for three shows in a row, their shows are a little bit shorter. So they're like 40, 45 minutes, smaller shows. Uh, but you'll see those in, in, in the feed here. And then for the Friday morning show, the Thursday night Friday morning show, John and I will be back and then we will add the, uh, the last show there of, the, uh, of that four in a row to the fight game podcast show that John and I do like we have in the last couple weeks the last two weeks we've had G1 casts tacked on to our show so that's kind of the schedule for this podcast um the uh, the recaps by by Chris Aiken have been tremendous he usually gets those up 
in the early evening after the show is over. So if you also haven't seen them, and may- maybe you're not watching every show, but you kind of want to know, okay, well, what's good to watch? Chris has these great recaps on fightgamemedia.com, so you can check those out. I want to make a mention of a show that I did with Dave Meltzer and Mike Tenay for the Wrestling Observer Radio podcast. We did a, we did a Hall of Fame show uh, that we put up on Saturday. We actually recorded two shows on Saturday. The second one will go up Friday. So on, on, on the show that we just did on Saturday... We talked a little bit about the news to kind of lead off the show, but we went into some of the Hall of Fame, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame categories. We talked about folks who had just missed the mark in 2019, so you have to get to that 60% mark, and these were folks who were right in the middle of that 50 to 60% mark. And then, you know, we, we talked about who, who's got the best shot at, at getting at getting over the hump there. And then we also talked about folks who were in jeopardy of being dropped off of the ballot because they'd been on the ballot for 15 years. And if they didn't at least hit 50%, then they would get dropped off the ballot. So we talked about those folks. And then we talked about sort of the new and the returning folks to the ballot. I'm so surprised, you know, Brian Pillman, his first shot at being on the ballot is in 2020. And so you have lots of folks who you would think were on the ballot before, but were not and, and are now on the ballot for the first time. So folks like uh, like like Brian Pillman, um, there's a couple other folks that I was looking at for 2020 for the first time. So like someone like Adrian Street, uh, Brian Pillman, Haystacks, Calhoun, Jerry Briscoe, Kamala had never been on the uh, on the ballot. Kevin Sullivan, I believe, as a booker. Uh, Kevin Von Eric. So tons of tons of folks who'd never been on the ballot before, and we were trying to figure out like who out of those was the 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 best opportunity. And then so then on Friday show it'll be up uh, this upcoming Friday. We then took a look at the historical, the modern U.S. or the modern North America, Japan, Mexico, Europe, not and the non wrestlers. And we did a show about that. I wish we would have had uh, part three because so much stuff to get through. We had to kind of speed through some of those categories. Uh, but we, you get to hear who Mike voted for. You get to hear who Dave voted for. I'm I haven't even really sent in my ballot yet, but um, I'm I'm trying to play moderator here so we get through all of the categories uh, in in, uh, in a good time. So, but those are all recorded, so you'll hear. The, uh, the rest of that in part two on a Friday show. If you are a Wrestling Observer Radio subscriber, if you are not a Wrestling Observer Radio subscriber and you uh, really are, um, you know, you, you, for whatever reason, you haven't, you haven't subscribed to that website, hit me up. We'll, we'll chat. Uh, I'd be interested in, in knowing why and, and uh, maybe possibly hook you up with something. So, just yeah, just reach out to me. Uh, I'm I'm pretty easy to find out there in the internet. Uh, okay, so uh, before we move on, um, I want so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about Takeover 31. I just finished watching it. I didn't actually get to watch it in real time and live with everybody. I watched about half of it in that way, 
But uh, I thought it was a really good show. Takeover, the last two takeovers have been rock solid, but they hadn't reached sort of that peak of what we expect from TakeOver. I think this one got a little bit closer to what we expect. <clears throat> Excuse me. First uh, first thing that, that kind of stands out when you watch the show. So the, the Performance Center is now the Capital Wrestling Center. Like they've actually turned their gym and their training facility into a small, a very small uh, arena to run shows. And it sounds like NXT is going to be working out of the Capitol Wrestling Center for the time being. And who knows, maybe some of the other shows, you know, they're, they're doing the, the shows in the Amway Center in Orlando uh, for Raw and SmackDown and, and the pay-per-views. But there, there's a contract. So if, the, if, if that happens to, to be up, maybe, maybe they come to the Performance Center, which is now the Capitol Wrestling Center. So it was a pretty dark facility. It had that Thunderdome video board. So you saw the the faces of the people watching through their computers, just like uh, at the Thunderdome. Uh, there was a chain link fence surrounding the ring. And there were either wrestlers or fans or both surrounding the ring, making noise in addition to the folks on the Thunderdome screen. Uh, I, I didn't like the fact that, you know, WWE has had this issue recently with more positives, more positive COVID tests, and all of a sudden they have people on top of each other in that, you know, in that uh, Capital Wrestling Center. Now, I imagine everybody had to pass a test, but as we know, even if you pass a test, that doesn't mean you don't have it. If you pass successive tests, because if you're exposed to it, it could be up until five days until you actually test positive. So a positive test is is means something, but it doesn't mean everything. So it's a little scary that coming off of this situation that they just had, that they're piling people into this small area. It's indoors, and we know that indoors is... is uh, much easier to contract the virus. So a little worried about that. And I know people were kind of on and off with their masks and, you know, people just can't keep those things on. So hopefully, you know, nothing bad happens, but that did definitely catch my eye. So this was a tough day for this show because you had the NFL on all day long. And then right when takeover starts, actually it's probably about an hour later, the NBA Finals starts, and not that the Finals is necessarily a juggernaut in the ratings this year. It is not. It's actually it's actually the op, uh, the opposite. But still, you had the NFL, which is the NFL. They're they're the kings uh, of TV. And then you had the NBA Finals, and so Takeover was very much like a third priority for sports fans. Now, for wrestling fans, wrestling is always going to be number one priority if you're not a fan of the other sports, but I was watching football. My team played in the uh, the Sunday night game, and unfortunately, they played very poorly, so it wasn't really happy time for me. I did catch the first hour live of TakeOver, and then I watched the rest after the football game was over. But um, you know, the good thing about the network is you can just watch the shows after. You didn't have to watch them live, but... You know, part of the fun is watching live because we had a pretty pretty cool chat going on in the Fight Game podcast Facebook group. We had several folks watching live and popping in and out. 
Um, so the other thing that I think stood out on this show is I, I can't, I couldn't tell if this was new or I'm not noticing it, but, uh, you know, the camera was all over the place like normal, you know, shaking up and down and zooming and quick cuts and all that. But it seemed to me like there was more of an onus to get uh, up close in personal uh, on the action to show the demonstrative visual, the facial expressions and the painful selling. It seemed like it was a little bit more apparent that they were trying to showcase that. I may be off and, you know, maybe they do this uh, more than I'm even recognizing, but that stood out to me a little bit. I also really loved just the aggressiveness on this show. Like every match had aggressive wrestling. There was not a lot of, you know, what uh, what, what John, <laughs> people will tweet out, uh, uh, tweet me at, about this saying, uh, John's usage of the word gaga, right? Like, you know, sort of the goofy stuff, the stuff that is not super um, serious. Uh, and, they, you know, there was one spot in one match where they did a little bit of that, but it, it was a very serious very aggressive wrestling show. Even the cruiserweight match with uh, Swerve Scott, that was aggressive. It, it it had its high flying moments, but it was definitely like aggressive, serious wrestling show. So I really like that. Like that to me is is kind of my style of wrestling. What I really love about wrestling. Um, and then the oh the one thing I think that stood out at least in the first two matches. I, I don't remember if I saw too many of these after, but the super kicks, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, the young bucks kind of turned the super kick gimmick into their thing. And they, they kind of did it to piss people off at the same time of making the live audience go nuts. And so they would overdo, overdo, overdo and overdo super kicks and in the first two matches on this card, it was like super kick after super kick after super kick. Johnny Gargano and uh, you know was super kicking like crazy. Dream was throwing these super kicks like these hail mary super kicks, and it just it just hit me like, you know, NXT the the you know the the they're, what they're really good at is kind of laying out these matches so that people don't do the same thing over and over, which is a positive over AEW because a lot of times you'll see AEW matches and you're just like. Gosh, I've seen twenty of these same moves in in a two hour show. Not not twenty, but I'm I'm exaggerating. But you get the get the picture, and the um the situation with with these guys. It's like I get it. Johnny Gargano does a lot of super kicks. I get it. Dream does some super kicks, but the matches were back to back. Maybe we you know maybe we pull back on, on some of that. But that's really a small complaint on a two and a half hour wrestling show. Um, the other thing is, uh, the only really other negative is Wade Barrett. I thought poor Wade Barrett had an off night. He'd go into these long descriptions and, and you know, he's a very eloquent speaker so, and he's got this really booming voice. Sounds great. He'd go into these really long descriptions of des of describing something was going to happen and either he'd kind of get lost in them, 
Or they'd go too long and something would happen and the play-by-play man, Vic Joseph, would have to cut in and kind of cut him off. And then there was one moment in the main event in the Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor match where he completely missed what was going on. And he said, because uh, there's a moment where Finn's like selling a knee and, and Kyle O'Reilly's about to strike him. But Finn kind of just, you know, falls because he's selling this knee. And so Kyle doesn't do anything. And... and Unfortunately, Barrett said that he did, that he actually hit the knee, and, and that's why Finn was uh, in pain. It didn't happen. So Wade Barrett, his first takeover, we're going to give him a little bit of a mulligan here, but um, that was the only real other thing. Uh, other, you know, I, I guess you could say not having a live crowd hurt some of the matches, but that's wrestling in 2020. That's every, every single show is the lack of crowd sometimes in some of these matches hurt. Now, I'll explain the one that uh, I thought it hurt the most in a second. So let's, uh, we'll, we'll get to the rest of this and I'll, I'll kind of go uh, match by match. But uh, before we do, I wanted to talk quickly about DoorDash. People have been listening to me talk about DoorDash and how much I enjoy Door- DoorDash. And I can even tell you that we got DoorDash on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday. So one of the twins, uh, the both of the twins had their birthday party. And one of them wanted duck, of all things. And so we ordered duck from a Vietnamese restaurant. And DoorDash delivered the duck for one of the twins. And then on Saturday, we got California Pizza Kitchen... And I got a nice uh, thin crust, thin cauliflower crust pizza, which was awesome. And then tonight, while we watched the uh, 49er game, we got uh, some salads. I don't know exactly where my wife got them. But so DoorDash, you know, the whole weekend came in the clutch with us. And so for this uh, for this audience... Uh, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. And that's $15 off your delivery fees. I'm sorry, that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. So don't forget, code BLUEWIRE for $5 off DoorDash. Okay, so now I'm going to quickly go through these matches. Uh, Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano opened up the show. As you've heard when John and I talk about NXT, Damian Priest is 100% the type of guy who is should be a champion on this brand. I think he's got everything... You know, Keith Lee, who we'd been talking about for uh, all summer long as kind of like that guy. I don't think Damian Priest is quite as just naturally charismatic as Keith Lee, but he's pretty close. I think his personality is really coming out on uh, in these last couple of months. And I think he's the total package. Uh, He had a good match with Johnny Gargano. Gargano made just about everything that Damian Priest did look great. The 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 one small thing that I thought they 
maybe wasn't the best was when Damien Priest had to sell for Johnny. You know, there's there's quite a size difference. And, and in some instances, I think Priest may have overdone it a little bit. Look, Johnny's a vet. Johnny has great matches. He's a, um, he's someone that, <clears throat> you know, if you're on that brand, you look up to, you want to make him look great as well. But some of it looked a little kind of overdone and a, and a little fake, uh, shall I say. But other than that, it was a really good opener. Maybe went a couple of minutes over that that when I was sort of ready to go home. But still, really good stuff. Nice showcase. To me, I don't know what their plans are. I imagine Karrion Cross is going to come back and win this title somehow. But I would love to see Priest get not only the title, but get a little bit of a run. Because I just think he's been so impressive of late. The second match was uh, Kushida, or as I like to call him, Violent Kushida, and Dream. Violent Kushida is my favorite wrestler in wrestling today. He's just attacks, attacks, attacks. There's no, there's no time that he wastes. He just goes to that arm. He's ta- attacking the arm. He's putting the hoverboard lock on, and he is setting everything up. Just awesome stuff for Kushida. And on the other hand, I am so sick of Dream. I don't know what it is. I have never really been a big fan of his wrestling. Like, I get the gimmick. I see why the gimmick works. He's very over the top. He's really good at the actual gimmick. But I just don't think the wrestling matches up. Now, I know he's improving, but I just feel like we are at the point of where this company NXT wants him to be at a level that I don't think he's ready for. And they've been pushing him down our throats now for, uh, it's probably been over a year and a half. And I kind of wish they would just put the brakes on him. I would totally be fine with dream going away for a little while, maybe even going to the main roster though. I think, I don't know. He'd probably get uh, swallowed up the, the same way that some of these other guys do, but NXT, I just, you know, I, I, I really enjoy this show so much, but when he comes on, I just kind of, it just kind of kills it for me. Though, in this match, Kushida won, and I was not surprised, but I was very much hoping that he would, because John and I talked on the show, the last show, which is, you know, if, if you're going to utilize Kushida as someone to help get some of these younger guys over, he also has to establish some wins. Like, you can't just rely on this you know, this New Japan reputation when a lot of your audience is not really watching New Japan, haven't don't have a history of what New Japan is, so they just see him as someone you're hyping. So getting him some big wins, I think, is necessary. Uh, so he won this match. Basically, he just kept attacking the arm, hoverboard lock, hoverboard lock. Uh, he, 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 uh, he cinched it off the top rope. Dream hit the, uh, the Dream Valley driver, but Kushida kept on the lock and so as uh, as dream you know rotates on his dream valley driver his arms exposed Kushida wrenches it tighter and dream has to tap out and then after the match dream continued to attack him so dream uh, i'm sorry uh, Kushida continued to attack him Kushida was extra violent at the end of this match so we'll see what happens next it uh, looks like Dream was selling the arm a lot, so I hope he does not come on TV on Wednesday uh, with uh, the arm feeling 
They also promoted NXT Halloween Havoc, which is going to be October 28th on Wednesday night. So head up with AEW. It is not a takeover. Uh, Shotzi, my girl, is going to be hosting Halloween Havoc. So that's kind of fun. <clears throat> you know, I I am okay with the NXT in your house and with the NXT uh, whatever gimmick you want. I did have a problem with, you know, the Great American Bash thing because I thought it was pretty clearly a shot at uh, Cody. Um, you know, they 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 are they are competing at the same time though, so I get it. You know, you're competing against AEW, and you know, there's ways that uh, that you're doing this and that can get under the skin a little bit. And so I understand the competition of it, but just don't tell me that WWE just randomly came up with Great American Bash and uh, it had nothing to do with AEW. It did. But I'm totally fine with, uh, you know, Halloween Havoc. Just, you have all of this IP. Use it. It's totally fine. You're in a wrestling war. This stuff could be fun. As long as, this, as, long as the shows are good and they're enhanced by these themes, I'm totally 100% behind them. So, uh, the, uh, next match was, uh, it was the cruiserweight, uh, championship match. So they had, uh, Santos Escobar defending against, uh, Isaiah Scott. And really, again, all action, all aggression. And I thought, even though Escobar won, that, uh, Swerve, l- definitely took sort of a step in the right direction. He's been kind of lost in NXT. He is competitive, but he has not shined like I've seen him in other places. And I think he's kind of the perfect guy for this company. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I didn't really mind the booking here. It's totally fine if he's losing because I thought he gained something in losing and you know they're pushing Escobar um and his his buddies so that is totally fine uh and it looks like you know they may set up some some tag team stuff with Shante Adonis so that is that's all that stuff is totally cool but I, I definitely thought Swerve uh shined more in this match than maybe he's had in uh, he's shined in, in NXT so far so good good for both guys good match and then uh, that led us to Candice and Io. I thought this was this was pretty darn good. You know, my frustrations with Candice are usually around her kind of running the ropes in a non-athletic way. That was not the case here. Uh, there was a a <laughs> interesting end to this match, which was so uh, Candice accidentally elbowed the referee. So he goes down and EO sets up the moonsault. And as she attempts the moonsault, Candace gets her knees up. And as she sort of takes the momentum from the moonsault, Candace's knees come up and she flies over and then bonks the referee again. So we have no referee. And of course, Johnny Gargano puts on the referee shirt and he runs in. And he counts a pin as if he is the referee and that it would count. Uh, but it didn't It didn't work. It didn't work. And I thought if they had a real crowd, 
they would have probably went kind of crazy for this just because it was really the only plunder in the entire show. And when you don't have a lot of that stuff happening, well, actually, you know, I take that back. There was some in, in the previous match, but um, I really, I think, I think it would have really worked with the live crowd. But instead, you have you know the the fake crowd and and the fake noise. So I thought that hurt this a little bit because otherwise, um, it was a pretty cool little thing except that there just wasn't the reaction and the response that you would have expected. So then EO goes to the top and hits a beautiful Spanish fly from the top and then her moonsault to win the match, which the final, uh, the, that that sort of end was really awesome. And so EO's in the ring. Tony Storm has a video saying that she's going to be back in NXT, so that's awesome. And the person that they were promoting as the former champion who's coming back to the show turned out to be Ember Moon. And to me, this is all positive because my frustration with the NXT product, I guess I would say it's probably my biggest frustration, is that they didn't really have many people set up for EO. And, you know, Dakota Kai was solid. She's a really good heel, solid in the ring. Uh, and and then um, Shotzi getting better, tons of charisma, not up to par with EO, and now Candice sort of similar, not really the 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 wrestler that EO is, and someone who I who I am just desperately wanting to watch wrestle. But Tony Storm fits that mold. Ember Moon fits that mold. I, what I wonder is if that means that some of the NXT women's wrestlers like. Um, Rhea are possibly going to get drafted. I probably for the better for her. Um, I think she can make that step, and you know, as long as she doesn't get uh, get put in these weird fifty fifty programs, I think she can definitely stand out on the main roster. Um, but otherwise, now we have two contenders for Eo, and so I th- I thought that was really good. So main event. Uh, Finn and Kyle O'Reilly, Tom Caster as your referee, John's uh, John's brother, Tom Caster. Really good match, like almost the perfect style of wrestling match for these guys. There was one flaw for me, and ultimately, if we're talking about ratings or whatever, it's the fatal flaw for me because... The thing that I need in wrestling matches is that suspension of disbelief. Like Finn's great, Kyle's great. Going into the build for this match, I didn't buy Kyle. I didn't buy that Kyle was there to win. It was a little. It was part of this is because obviously Karen Cross got hurt and they had to find a new champion, and so this this program got put together a little bit more quickly than they would have wanted. I think Triple H has said in the past that. Eventually, O'Reilly was was actually going to get here, but because of the build, um, I never bought that O'Reilly was going to win. So as I'm watching this match, my, you know, what I'm really paying attention to is how do you know? Am I going to get sucked in? And like I said, work was great. Everything that they did was on the money. But I just never bought that O'Reilly was going to win this match throughout the entire thing. 
I just assumed all the way up until the very, very end that Finn was just going to win. And so that doesn't mean that the match wasn't excellent because it was. It was really, really excellent. But I couldn't even really buy the near falls. And I think that stops me from saying, okay, this is like a match of the year contender. I wanted to, I desperately wanted to, uh, but it, it just it just never hit there for me. So, well, you know, and we'll talk to John on on our uh, on our Friday show because you know he and I look at these things so much differently uh, in many cases, and so I, I would be interested in hearing what he thought uh, about about that point. So, um, so Finn wins. Uh, he. Uh, he hits the um, double stomp, and then he hits the coup de gras from the top to win the match. Um, and then there was one angle to close the show. Uh, Finn and Kyle O'Reilly shook hands. And as they were celebrating, Ridge Holland shows up in the crowd, and he's got Adam Cole draped over his shoulder. He's staring at the Undisputed Era, who are kind of going nuts, like, what the heck's going on? And he tosses Cole over the barricade and onto the floor. And Cole is basically selling that he is dead. And Strong, uh, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish are like, what's going on? What's going on? And that's kind of how the show ended. So we'll see what Ridge Holland means to uh, to this program did he knock adam cole out or did he actually help adam cole and adam cole got knocked out by somebody else so we'll see i think that was a kind of a i don't think the show needed to end in this way but again nxt is in a wrestling war and so you see how the raw after a pay-per-view where they set they they don't always set things up but sometimes they set things up to make you kind of get interested in, in what's going to happen on raw and it usually enhances the ratings and here you know they're doing the same thing what happened to adam cole how does ridge holland figure out into this so well i don't think it needed to end this show because the match was good enough to sort of be the end they got tv on wednesday so i completely 100% understand why they did that and we'll see you on wednesday all right let's quickly talk about bet online after this we're gonna i'm gonna get to the wcw saturday night review of john and myself for the october 3rd edition of wcw saturday night from 1992 but before that we have to talk about bet online like i mentioned earlier tons of football games on today the nba finals and then the second round of the MLB playoffs, the divisional round, starts today. So some of the games are on Monday and then some of the games kick off on Tuesday. But it's five games in a row if you go to the, to the full series. So it's a best of three. If these things go five, like we're talking about playing five days in a row. So this baseball playoffs is super wacky. And uh, I'm taking... I have, a, I, have, I have another podcast called the Thompson to Clark, a San Francisco Giants podcast. If you are interested in the San Francisco Giants, definitely check that out. Myself and my buddy Brad Evans do that show. But we made our picks for who we think is coming out of um, 
the West or the who, who's who's going to come out of these divisional rounds. And so I took the Yankees over the Rays, though the Rays are a very good team and they're so versatile and, and they kind of do some wacky things. I just think the power of the Yankees is going to come come out on top. And I took the A's over the Astros, and that's more hopeful. I think the A's are the better team, but there's a sort of a stigma with the A's and, and the playoffs that I'm not quite sure that uh, that has changed in just them winning a three-game series over the White Sox. I'm, I, I'm still picking them to get to the next round. And on the other side, unfortunately, I'm taking the Dodgers. I would love to take the Padres, but with uh, Clevenger and uh, the other the other pitcher uncertain at this point, I can't take them. If those pitchers were healthy, I think I would have taken the Padres because I think the Padres play the Dodgers really well. Unfortunately, I took the, the Dodgers and then I have the Braves beating the Marlins to get to the NLCS. So those are my picks. Uh, bet online. You can bet on any of those games, all of the baseball games. There are two Monday night games that you that you can watch later tonight. Because, one because of uh, uh, some COVID tests. Um, the Chiefs and the Patriots got pushed from Saturday to Monday. So you can still bet on those games. There's the regular Monday night football game that is available. And still, the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat came back. Lakers are still up 2-1. So lots of stuff to bet on. And you can use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. You'll get some great sign-up bonuses. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, they've Blue Wire has just, I'm sorry, Bet Online has just been, you know, our, our sponsor pretty much from the get go. So, really dig Bet Online. Make sure you use Blue Wire when you sign up. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Okay, you've heard a lot of me. I don't normally do these long intros, but, you know, like I said, I didn't have John today to help me with this. But uh, we are going to uh, fast forward. We're going to pitch it to John and myself talking about WCW Saturday night, uh, October 3rd, 1992. All right. Halloween Havoc 1992 is coming in three weeks, according to Jim Ross heavy sell for the pay-per-view john and i are here talking wcw saturday night for october 3rd 1992 overall i mean you got a main event you saw a tag team title change one that they also kind of spoiled in the (laughs) beginning of the show which we'll get to but um you know, you had, you, had a, you had a really fun opener, and then you got to close with the the tag titles changing hands. Pretty fun show, and, you know, like I said, it's it's the build to Halloween Havoc, and they're trying to make Barbarian and Ron Simmons a thing. I'm not sure it's working all that well, but they are definitely trying. Uh, and, you know, I, I haven't seen this show in probably 20 years, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's one I don't really watch often. So yeah, so I haven't seen it. It's been a while since I watched it. Probably ain't less than you. So probably about ten years or so. So uh, looking going looking forward to going back and watching the matches. And because I remember there were some changes of the card that happened. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of want to see how those matches turned out. 
So Arn Anderson was Jim Ross's main color guy. Arn was awesome on this show. <laughs> really good um, as a, a color commentator, talking about holds and their effect on you because he's experienced them. Like when you talk about STF, he's talking about just the arm lock and how it how it affects the shoulder and and everything. So yeah, that was uh, really yeah, it was really cool to have Arn on there. I think. think uh, um, this is what probably the guy they thought about for WWF when Arn had a little tryout there for as a commentary guy. But yeah, that that one crossover show that they did with Nitro. what was it Bagwell and Booker T in the main yeah. event? Is that yeah. The, yeah the 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 show that like soured the the the, <laughs> the Northwest for Vince? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, he was great here, and, and Jim Ross was also fantastic here on this episode. You know, we, we do these AEW reviews, and obviously, this is Jim Ross, you know, almost 30 years later doing AEW, but the Jim Ross on this show, he's almost like, he's he, he, is, he is like the everything person for this show. He's the main play-by-play guy. He's doing the Halloween Havoc control centers. He's doing all of the interviews. He's getting everybody over as as well as he can. He's so valuable for this 1992 WCW show. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he he's working hard to get everything over, and he's excited about everything. He makes he makes he makes even simpler matches bigger. You feel bigger, you know. Even uh, a match with. Shane Douglas and Marcus Bagwell versus Vinny Vegas and uh, and Diamond Dallas Page like he mm-hmm. makes that feel like a, a much bigger match than it actually really is. So yeah, man, Ross is the Ross is fantastic here. And yeah, 2020 know. Jr. needs to watch some uh, tapes of 1992. Well, what the hell? He's calling freaking Orange Cassidy <laughs> versus Ten. How's he gonna get excited about that? No, I, I and I, I will say that when it is like main event time and and you know it's moxley and mjf he's not quite as good but he's not that far off either and and it's plus it's hard for him for the like i think the three-man boost is not his deal either you know with when it comes to excalibur and and like for excalibur i mean i shouldn't say for excalibur but like it's just he'll he'll call a move and he's about the twisty force up and and jim ross will like just make fun of him right right then and there like about like <laughs> did hey tony or taz you know that was called a uh Oklahoma roll, you know. uh, It's like, come on, man. Oh yeah, he's like, yeah, Oklahoma roll. My hero won a lot of matches with that move. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It was called an Oklahoma roll. Danny Hodge, huh? (laughs) Dodge Ram? No, Hodge, Hodge, Hodge. (laughs) So this show opens. We have Brad Armstrong and Brian Pillman. They have a quite a grudge going on, but there were no intros. I was like, I kind of wanted to. I kind of wanted to see. You know, I wanted to see the reaction. Really, what I wanted to see was the reaction that Pillman got from the fans because I was kind of wondering how his how he was over as a heel because he was he was like the best heel in wrestling on this show. He was yeah, so Watts, good. Watts is like, we want to get right into action, right? So like the bell literally just rings, and I don't think there's even an introduction by um, no, not at all. Rhubarb Jones, like they're just it's just ding ding again. Ding. That's all. That's all. Jr. He's got to introduce the guys. He's got to yeah. introduce the match and like tell that story in like ten seconds before they start wrestling. Yeah, we're. I mean, they're just we're just hoping everyone knows these guys as, as they tune into WTBS. Um, but great match, man. This match is awesome. 
Um, I actually like this better than the main event, even though I know the main event was a lot longer and it was a lot more dramatic. But just as a match, I just I just like this. Better. Oh, and these guys are awesome. They're just so such great workers. Um, if any young wrestlers out there, uh, I highly recommend you watching this match to as a young heel how to draw in a referee um, into the corner so you can punch the guy over the head while the referee's not looking. Like you know that. That spot is very, it's easily done, but also screwed up a lot of times on the Indians because mm-hmm. the timing's off. But you talk about this is like perfectly done. I mean, the timing of everyone involved, the referee, of course, Pillman and Armstrong was just, just awesome. I was like, I popped so big for that. I'm like, God, I haven't seen that done this well in a long time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was just 1992. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, just great, great, great match, man. This is This is awesome. Is Brian supposed to have like a loaded boot or something? Because he's used the kick a couple of different times as a setup. Mm-hmm. Well, this one was a setup. The I think the other one was the finish. But this one, he kind of had Armstrong uh, on all fours, and then he kicked him right in the gut. Ribs, yeah. And it, and it's set up for that that bridge pin. That I think it's just like a, a a cheap shot. Basically, it's supposed to be like a cheap shot. You know, it's a legal. Is it a legal kick? He's kicking with the toe though. So actually, a toe is illegal. The flat of the boot is legal um the first time he did it with brad that was the when he walked through the ropes and he kicked him in the head right so it's like he punted him like randy orton so that was and here's like yeah he just gave him a really deep illegal shot it was a legal hole instead of doing the the low blow stupid gimmick it's it's just a you know toes right in the ribs and knocking the wind out of the guy and doing something else and pin him yeah really good i almost wish and i know that they've been building this I kind of wish they would have saved it for the pay-per-view, though. Yeah, me too. I mean, Pillman isn't a good match with, you know, he has a match with Rick Steamboat at the pay-per-view, but um, but I felt like, yeah, there's, there's, there's steam on this. Yeah, why why can't they? Uh, they do have a match at the Clash in November, spoiler, but um, but uh, yeah, they, and I still, I mean, Brad looks so good. I'm like, and why did they take the title off him again? Mm-hmm. Just because he mm-hmm. couldn't do Clash 20, but he can do the next taping a few days later. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't think Bill Watts really cared for that lightweight title. It was kind of weird because you got these big guys or, oh, he's really 205 or two, you know, whatever the hell he was, the, the late weight limit he was supposed to be under. So Bruno Sammartino is back, and he's literally there to sell the live house with Jim Ross. He's like, look, pay-per-view's cool, but there's nothing better than being at that show live and you know, all of my fans from, you know, that area are, have been great. And, and that was the only time we saw him was just selling the live the the live house for yeah. for the pay-per-view. I felt like this is the same promo last week. Mm-hmm. I felt like the same. I almost thought they made it just cut the same. <laughs> they just inserted the old interview from last week. That's what, that's now, what it felt now, like. I, now, I will say it's great for them to have Bruno there. But it would have been even better for them to actually use him for something like, mm. you know, back then they're not really doing commissioner stuff. But imagine Bruno San Martino as like the law and order commissioner of your company. And and if you need someone to call the shots, then he calls the shots. I know Bill Watts kind of is plays that, that role as well. But like this is Bruno San Martino, who's like one of the top, you know, at that point, top two or three biggest wrestling stars of all time. And I just feel like they're going to waste him. They could have made him. Well, he already did a special guest referee at Halloween Havoc before. Remember, he was like the. Did he do something as Halloween was Havoc? Thunder, was that the Thunderdome match or something? Yeah, yeah, the Thunderdome '89. They kind of go to that again, and in a way, with Jake Roberts' Sting, 
you know, a mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. referee. And then, you know, Jake Roberts tries to do something and, you know, he punches Jake Roberts and then leads into whatever from Sting and they can do something like that. It's what we got at the pay-per-view. But, uh, uh, yeah, they could have used it a different way than just being a like a, what, a host, basically. He was a live host with Tony Schiavone. They were watching the show together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think it was <clears throat> David... Laval. I think he said his, I think I he said to pronounce his name as Love All. So that's what I'm going with in our Facebook group. I think he said which I didn't even really put two and two together, but he was saying how Bruno was saying, "Oh, you know, this great this is how wrestling's supposed to be. Uh quick cut to the spin the wheel make the deal video." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rising star David Laval, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. It's I know. For they're not showing, they're not showing Mr. San Martino this video. They're just like, okay, no, hey. no, no. But it's it's just so funny. He's saying here, here's here's this is how wrestling should be done, and then they just do this goofy WWE inspired video. Yeah, he should be like, oh, you know, there's some BS with this video, but <laughs> really though, the nuts and bolts of it, it's really good. You know, this is like wrestling like it used to be. All right, the aforementioned Vegas connection, uh, Vinny Vegas. And Diamond Dallas Page versus Mark Salazar Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Um, lots of arm ringers for the baby faces early on. Uh, the heels take over. Uh, there's a little bit of a, 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 a four way action and then um, belly to belly by, uh, by Douglas on Dallas. And Vinny Vegas comes in to make the save, but he gets cut off by Bagwell, and the baby faces win the match. So, it, I mean, it's pretty clear that they are really high on Shane Douglas, almost to the point that th- they kind of allude to the fact that he came back to WCW, but they also try and want to make you forget that he had been in WCW before, just based on the interviews and stuff. So kind of interesting. I think most people you know, who had stayed with that product because that product in 92 was just, you know, a fan base that had just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller since since Rick left. So you would think, okay, this is a pretty smart fan base for your product. Maybe let's not try to make fans think that Shane Douglas is like this new guy. I don't know. It's kind of interesting the way that they did that, but um, they do something else with him later in the show that we'll talk about. I, I mean, you know, they're they're doing a really good job with him, winning all these matches with the belly to belly. He's a little bit too much white meat baby face for me, um, you know, because I'm even thinking of back in '92. You know, I'm like 16 years old, and I'm like, I know who this guy is. Okay, you know, some of this is a little bit over the top, but still, they're they're giving him a, a nice little push here. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like Shane Douglas. I, I like this version of Shane Douglas in WCW, and I and I was that fan who watched. You know, I remember Dynamic Dude Shane Douglas, but mm-hmm. but I just took it as I was like went back in what I was like what a freshman or maybe a, yeah freshman in high school at the time. I was uh, just took it as like oh he's just you know he's on his own he's he's more serious now or mm-hmm. he's grown so um, yeah and I and he's got the guidance with Magnet TA he's given the yeah. belly to belly. Well, we'll we'll get to that part cuz I thought I think I think that's pretty interesting too. Yeah. And uh um, after the match was good overall. That was a solid match and Vegas Vinny Vegas Kevin Ash looked very 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 motivated. So mm-hmm. I think I wonder if this was a time where you know he was thinking about quitting and then this is when Nat, uh we will Waski in the speech about you know he should continue in and and 
there's potential in him. So, so the next match is Van Hammer against Mike Freeman. Um, very quick match. Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson calls it the quick kill, which is uh, Van Hammer's slingshot suplex. Very, very, very quick match, and there, you know, not not a lot to it. But uh, Van Hammer still, still getting the push. Van Hammer. Yep, yep, yeah, still getting the push. Um, thank God this was short because the last jobber he had was <laughs> was a rough day at the office. So maybe he was he was happy. Matt. Let's just make it quick this time around. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we get the control center, which we alluded to. And in this control center, they announce the match of the Steiner brothers versus Wyndham and Rhodes for the tag team titles at the pay-per-view. They ne- like they didn't even try and correct it in any way after the control center. They just uh we we screwed up and we're just gonna deal with it. That was they, so weird. I don't even think they noticed until it aired. Maybe they, they they must have they must have because they would have Bill Watts would have lost his he probably did I know he did lose his shit but like he would have lost his shit before if he saw that before it made air so um, I remember this I remember this I remember thinking like oh they messed up <laughs> like not them like not like like oh so they must have messed up why they, they said that wrong you know like it wasn't like oh these guys are idiots right they said we're a bunch of morons like why they spoil this I was like oh I think they made a mistake right. And I just remember, let's remember that. And then, and then, sure enough, what happened later tonight, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was still just so young. I didn't know anything back then. 1992, I was just having fun with everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- this is not the only time that they'd screw stuff up where you'd watch one show and they would spoil something that happened or wasn't supposed to happen yet. Uh, and then it would even get worse because... You know, in ninety three is ninety three when they st- or is it ninety three or ninety four when they start doing those TV tapings at at Disney World ninety three where they just do like like five months of TV on like, yeah like yeah. a weekend or whatever yeah ninety three and they had to like reshoot like well they already have, the people already know who won the titles before they you know because that's already you know they already have guys come out with belts the these tapings and the words getting out you know. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the angle that they played, like, the entire ending of last week's show Mm -hmm. on this week's show. So if you had seen last week's show and you had a VCR, you could literally just press fast forward for, like, 10 minutes and and just see, you know, so you didn't have to rewatch what you just watched, which is what I did. But they wanted to portray Barbarian as... You know, if Barbarian hits this headbutt off the top rope on Ron Simmons, you know, he could win the title because he laid Ron Simmons out with this move. And Ron Simmons' babyface buddies had to protect him from getting hit with it again. So they were trying to put this move over as like the, you know, the move that that Ron Simmons can't get hit with or else he's going to lose his title. And good on WCW, good on Bill Watson, you know, for because I don't think he's hit this headbutt until that till that moment, with Ron Simmons. So. You know, they made it special, at least, you know, like, hey, this is the ace in the hole for Barbarian. If he hits this, this is over. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, hey, don't, don't do your headbutt now because we'll save it for a really big match or mm-hmm. when he means something. So, yeah. So good on WCW so, for that. So Simmons quickly beat Kenny Kendall. Kenny Kendall. Big time power slam to uh, to win the match. Do you, do you know anything about one Kenny Kendall? Uh, he was just a long time 
job guy in WCW. He, he sticks around for a long time and gets gets better. He's really green here, and but um, you know, ninety four, ninety five, he was you know he's put on decent matches as a job guy. So yeah, he had a good look. I don't know if he had a personality, but had a good look to him, good size. So Simmons comes out of his shell a little bit with this interview where he's talking about he's had to fight for his whole life. He is not afraid of a fight. Um, And this was also interesting, which is Jim Ross is trying to tease that who even knows if Ron Simmons is going to make it to Halloween Havoc. Now, I'm not sure if that's the best way to sell a pay-per-view. They're trying to sell the house shows because Ron Simmons has got to defend against Vader. He's got to defend against Rick Rude. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, you know, we're so we're Ron Simmons. Great job. We're putting all this TV time on you. But wait, he may not even get there. I thought that yeah. was really weird. Um, not weird. I mean, they would they would do that a lot of times, you know, because is a you know, wrestling 1992 is still a house show business. Right. I mean, they're still trying to. But it, it was moving in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Meltzer's writing like every other week about how WCW is just missing on all these opportunities because they're so old school. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I get it. Like if, if Bill Watts says, Nope, we got to push these house shows, you push the house shows. Like that's kind of your job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's just weird that you go from hard sell on Simmons and barbarian to, Oh, by the way, just in case Simmons doesn't get there. It's it's almost like you're, 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 you're uh, hurting what you just promoted by saying that. And I think it's a good thing to kind of create that, not only interest in the house show, but create it like anything can happen too. Look what happens later on in, the, in a few more years. Like, the house shows don't mean nothing. You're like, mm-hmm. why even go? And, and unless you have a hot product or someone gets hot, they people went. But, you know, a lot of times you could just probably just skip it if you weren't really into it. So, you know, I, I, I give them credit for trying and you know, make it interesting. Okay, so then Tony Schiavone with Shane Douglas, you know, like I said, wipe me baby face Shane Douglas here. He says something that I just found ridiculous. Okay, Magnum TA did a little bit of an interview saying, oh, I really like Shane Douglas, kind of know him a little bit, glad that he uses my move. Bruno's like, yeah, Shane Douglas is from my area. I know him a little bit. Probably doesn't know him at all. And then here, Shane goes... Oh, yeah, like Magnum is like a second father to me. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, I think he kind of like... <laughs> he he overdid it. Yeah, he overdid it. But I do think Bruno Sammartino and Shane Douglas might have known each other because Shane was trained by Dominic DiNucci. So oh, okay. So that makes I sense. I can see like them kind of like, hey, check out my one of my kids, you know? That's and, right. Like, That's right. Shane, Shane and Mick uh, trained to, at yeah. the same time. But yeah, yeah, father figure and um, yeah, a little hard sell. But overall, I thought this was a really good segment. Um, I really like Shane Douglas as this this role as a baby face, and like he feels like he's destined to become a player. They, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're 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 really behind him, and um, I think they're slow burning him too. Is nothing like you know he's beating job guys and you know underneath the uh, the lower mid card guys right now and. A nice personally personality profile here and getting known a little better. I thought I like this. This is good stuff. Okay, so when I when I'm a kid or not even really a kid, but you know, trying to be a someone who knows a little bit about what's going on, when I would see stuff like this where Shane wrestles earlier in the show and then he comes on later in the show 
and they don't reference his match, it used to bother me because they're trying to portray like a live television show. And I know that it's not live. But they said I, taped earlier, didn't they? Or is that's that Jim did, Ross? Did they said. say it at the beginning? I'm pretty sure Jim Ross said that. Yeah. Yeah. This is But I, I, I wish that they did it before he even had a match mm-hmm. so that I don't have to go. Huh, I wonder if he showered after his match and he got dressed. Like like that whole thing, you know, like yeah, I would always yeah. do that math in my head. Maybe the maybe the psychology is like, okay, if you show him you you show this interview him, you you just kind of feel he's gonna win the next one. Yeah. So maybe this maybe that's why they placed it the way he placed it. So then we had a Jake interview, which is, you know, normal, solid Jake interview. Yeah. Uh, about Sting. Yeah. Yeah. About Sting, you know. Is, is Sting willing to do all the things that Jake is willing to do? And then uh, the Barbarian against Rick Bravo. And Jake hung on in commentary. And this is where we learned that Jake versus Sting is unsanctioned. They have to sign some sort of contract that says, I'm assuming that they will not sue WCW if they get WCW hurt. WCW is not liable for the, you know, start, it's a lights out, right? Or is it lights out or is it unsanctioned? One of the two. What, yeah, whatever. Uh, and so Barbarian wins with the big boot over Rick Bravo. And I forgot Jake calls him, Jake calls Cactus and, and Barbarian like, I don't know, it's like my family or he says something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Manson so, family can yeah deal. so so then uh they show a video with mick driving a truck but he's not actually driving <laughs> i'm assuming it's in neutral yes and the barbarian is just pulling it yes. with his uh with his body so is he really pulling it though no i don't know they edit they never show him they show him one little one shot of of, of him pulling it but uh yeah but i like this stuff i thought it was cool i like i used to love stuff like this and cactus was great yeah, mix cutting the promo for him. Did you um? Did you see the match with the Barbarian that Rick Bravo kid? Did you see what happened in that match? Mm-mm. So Barbarian body slams Rick Bravo, but Rick Bravo sandbags him, and so he has to like really muscle him up to slam him. And it doesn't look that great. Yeah, you know, he's he's still a, a decent slam, but you could tell like, oh man, this guy went up heavy. So Barbarian quickly dropped the elbow on him. But gave him a seat by dropping his ass on his face and busted his nose up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was pretty pissed because you know, like think about it. Like I know, why would think, you want to sandbag the barbarian? I don't think the guy knew how to take a body slam. It's not like he was trying to sandbag him. Like, like I think he just doesn't know how to take it or didn't know how to you know did not take it correctly. If you don't know how to take it correctly, you're gonna go up heavy. But barbarian's not thinking that he's getting over right. He's because he has a pay per view, a world title match on a pay per view, a big, his biggest match of his career coming up and then this guy does this and he's like oh shit he could have got hurt he could have blew his back out he could have been off the pay-per-view lots of money so i mean i know people probably think oh it's, why do you do that why do you take you know why do you bully him like that it's not bullying he's just like hey man you don't mess up my shit and he just comes right down on his face like he drops the elbow but like his butt goes right on that guy's face and that guy's quickly checking his nose and then that big boot holy shit like <laughs> like He's pretty safe with it. I mean, he throws it up there, and it's your it's your job to turn your face and yeah, you know, like and like, but like, no, he he tried to cave that dude's chest in. Like it was like, bam. Even Jim Ross is like, oh, and Jake Rogers like, holy cow, you know. So I had a kick out of watching that. I know it's sad. I know it's kind of 
sadomasochism. We'll, we'll, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Rick Bravo for the, the rest of these shows if he's on. I don't know if he's coming back. I think he <laughs> might have packed his bags and that's it. So the main event, Dustin and Barry Wyndham against Doc and Gordy. Long match. It's like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, may have not been that long. I was, try, I was trying to keep track because they cut out the, the commercials, obviously, on, on the, uh, the WWE the commercial, Network. Like, you can tell like they might have shaved, like, what, a minute, maybe 30 seconds off that? Mm-hmm. So um, so I'll, I'll sort of explain the finish which is uh, Wyndham hits a superplex on Gordy and Doc interferes. And so the referee's trying to get Doc out of the ring and then Doc mixes it up with Dustin. But when he mixes it up with Dustin, then the ref kind of pulls him to his side of the ring and Dustin sees the ref with, with Doc and he hits a bulldog on Gordy. And right when he hits the bulldog, Barry covers him Referees there, counts to three, Doc can't get in to save, and we have new unified champions. So Doc and Gordy are probably going back to Japan or something, and, and they wanted to, they couldn't make the pay-per-view or whatever, whatever it was. Well, uh, one does. One does? Yeah, we'll see. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, haven't, I didn't read my Observer yet, so I'll, I'll make sure to read it next week so we have all the, all the gossip and the skinny about what's going on right now. But yeah, I love this match though. Yeah, this, this is a good match. This is my style. This is uh this is a good professional wrestling match. Uh, really well done. Um physical. Everything looked good. Um there was like just one thing in the beginning where the timing was off between Dustin Gordy, but shit. They're you know, Gordy's been wrestling since he's like 14, so mm-hmm. quickly settled things down. And they had a great match. I mean, really, I, I mean, everything sounded good. I kind of wish it was in a bigger building. But then again, also the positive about center stage is, uh, as a smaller building, you can really hear the chops and the punches and the slams. And it just, you know, kind of added the drama there. But I just felt like it's like a big match with a t- big title change. Like I thought it should have been in a bigger, bigger setting. But, um, but uh, everyone's great. Wyndham's so good, of course. Um, all of them are great. And then the finish of that was great because, you know, Gordy doesn't do jobs often mm-hmm. on television. So, but like they get, made a great scenario for him to do it. And the reason why, like, you know, he took the, you know, two finishers from the guys, right? Mm-hmm. Each guy's finisher. The superplex was great. And then the referee pulling uh, Steve Williams back in the perfect time for Dustin hit that bulldog. And, I thought that was this is just just great stuff. Even like stuff on the floor they did where Steve Williams closed eyes the hell out of Wyndham and um yeah, man, that's I this is one of my favorite television matches. I, I remember watching this a lot when I was a kid and back then in ninety two, of course. Um and I just I just I watched it like God, I wanna say I watched it like three or four years ago. And I'm just happy it's on like the network and in in HD quality. So it's just it's looks good looking match. Yeah. So like I said, just three more weeks until Halloween Havoc, and the uh, the, the the promo. We got to talk about the promo. Wait, what promo? After the celebration. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, they did the big celebration of the title change, and all the baby faces came out. World champion Ron Simmons comes out. Sting wasn't there though. What was he used up to? No. Um, but, Sting but, actually uh, opens the next show. I, yeah. I fast forward a little bit. He, he's now, n- that's, that's a new set of tapings too. So he might've had a week, the, mm. the, or he might've been at a house show where, you know, getting ready for a house show. Um, uh, 
Oh, and so like you know, the Bayfaces, like you know, the people earlier, Shane Douglas, Van Hammer, all those guys come out and they're celebrating. But Wyndham has all the titles. Yep. And Dustin, so it's like a little tease there. What's going to happen in the future? But um, I remember I didn't. I remember thinking like, wow, Barry's really proud about these tag titles, like super happy. And I always felt bad that he didn't give the titles to Dustin, but uh, it, it played, I played, it was a sad, a, a sad turn of events and we'll talk about it as we get closer to it. But, uh, but yeah, I remember just being really super excited because I liked Barry Windham and Dustin Rose attack team. I thought they were just a perfect match. All right, so we'll be back uh, next week with the following week's show as we get closer to Halloween Havoc and you know we're getting you know this is this is the last three months of the year so I not to say that I'm not enjoying the WCW 92 I I, I am enjoying it it's just some of these shows are a little bit long but you know we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do in uh in, in the beginning of the year if we're gonna do anything else so yeah the, you know oh Meltzer put that book out 97 <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, we could, you know, I don't don't necessarily want to do it because it's a two hour show from WWE and I think it's a two hour. Is it a three hour show at that point for WCW or is it still just a two hour show? I think it's two, but in 98, that's when they go three hours. Yeah. I I don't know if we, if we necessarily want to do the, uh, the two hour shows, but I mean, if we did, we'd have great coverage. So we'll, 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 we'll figure out something. True. But also... Yeah, you know, ad nauseum, people that we talked about the Montreal screw job for you know, people have talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, but there's so much interesting stuff that happens that year that was literally the only way that you knew what was going on was you were reading the Observer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Shawn Michaels getting mad about something and then loss of smile fights in the back and then you know just stuff going on with sunny days oh yeah like there's like crazy stuff going on that entire year that's like one of the best observer years if you were an observer reader 97 is i mean which is why he did the book like that yeah yeah so and, I, and and also 90 just just the the, the one night wars was just a good time to be a subscriber to the newsletter for sure so I bought a digital copy of that book, which I I haven't started reading it yet. We're going to, this is like not necessarily the the right way to do the announcement. I'll, I'll, I'll make another mention of it, but I got Dave to agree to come on Zoom with all of us who are in the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, the book club. So we're going to read uh, Brian Alvarez's uh, Death of WCW for October and then do a, like a Q&A, a moderated chat Q&A with him uh, in early November. And then we're going to read Dave's 97 book. I, how, if people can get through it, we'll see. It's like 600 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read all of those observers, so I'm sure I'll be able to skim through some of it. But then at the end of uh, end of November, early December, Dave has also agreed to come on zoom and do a q a moderated q a with us so that'll be fun and uh yeah that that'll be a blast because you know when, when when do you get to be on like a q a with dave and just like pick his brain about stuff so and i have agreed to done a q a to review live AEW dynamite <laughs> point out all this bullshit they do every week no, i was kidding <laughs> You know, the the uh, Observer F4W hired 
uh, Denise Salcedo mm-hmm. to do that YouTube show, the weekly a the weekly Wednesday night show. And it's so funny because I had interviewed her. I don't know, it was like a month ago. And I had no idea that that they were looking to add more people. And so when I heard that Denise was was kind of someone who they wanted to hire, they asked me for my, uh, you know, my feedback on her. I was like, you know, she's not in in the same way that a lot of us wrestling fans like really pick apart wrestling. Like she's not that kind of fan. She's still very enthusiastic and very open minded about it. But she's also a very smart and uh entertaining and really bubbly personality for video so she works really well mm-hmm. with video and then she just she just started doing her show last week so really cool i i, I really liked her when i got to talk to her and i kind of keep in touch with her a little bit uh, on twitter just you know i i know how harsh the some of the wrestling fans can be so i'm gonna kind of you know just not that i need to look out for because she's really smart and savvy but just you know make sure that she's she's doing okay and that F4W, you know, Wrestling Observer, Neck of the Woods. All right, so we are done here, so we will be back next week. All right, so thanks to John for doing that with me. We're, we are right before Halloween Havoc 1992, a couple of weeks away. And, uh, yeah, just uh, tomorrow, or actually later today, you will have a G1 cast, and you will also have one for the next two days after that. And then on a Thursday night, Friday morning, we will combine the show that I do with John where we talk about AEW and NXT, and I do want to get his thoughts on TakeOver. And then we'll add the G1 cast to that. So you'll hear a lot of us. We'll have a lot of shows. You know, we, we're not going to have this many shows when the G1 is over, but you know, we wanted, we wanted to really cover this thing like you would cover a sporting event. So that's why you're hearing a lot from us. And again, Justin and, and Carlos Toro are doing a great, great job. So for John LaRocca, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.